0: Welcome to Getting Credit, a podcast focusing on financial markets, corporate credit, and timely insights from Aristotle Funds. Here's your host, Dominic Nolan, CEO of Aristotle Pacific Capital, the sub advisor for the Aristotle Funds Fixed Income Funds. Hello, and welcome to number 59. In the next 10 minutes, we'll talk about market action in June, the Fed's rate pause, the economy, consumer spending, opportunities in fixed income. And finish with a reflection. Let's begin. Starting with the market, it has been a really surprising first half of the year. June was strong, and we'll quickly go over that. The S&P was up six and a half percent in June. Year to date, S&P is up close to 17 percent. The tech-heavy Russell 1000 Growth Index was up seven percent in June. It's up almost 30 percent for the year. The Russell 2000 Value Index was up almost eight percent in June, but year to date. It's up only two and a half percent. Investors are hearing that big tech has been carrying index levels, and that seems to be the case. As a point of reference, if you were to equal weight the S&P 500, it would be up about five and three quarters percent. Dramatically different than the 17 percent year to date. That tells you that a small amount of companies are carrying the returns of the market right now. Jumping over to fixed income. The Bloomberg U.S. Aggregate Bond Index was down 36 basis points as yields rose. It's up about 2% for the year. High-yield bonds up about 1.7% for the month, year-to-date up over 5, and floating-rate bank loans were up over 2% in June and for the year up over 6. If you have a balanced portfolio, let's say 60% S&P and 40% bonds, you're probably up around 10% so far this year. One of the surprising elements of performance this year is that markets were really certain there was going to be a recession in 2023, and that interest rates were going to be lower. And what we have seen are higher rates and a pretty strong market rally. Let's talk about the Federal Reserve as they've been front and center to investors. For the first time in a year and a half, the Federal Reserve paused interest rate hikes in June. We did get a sense, though, of where their projections are. So the FOMC, or the Federal Open Market Committee, released after their June meeting projections for GDP, unemployment, et cetera. They raised GDP, rate, and inflation projections for 2023 and lowered unemployment projections. This is, in my opinion, a very constructive view of the economy and growth relative to what market expectations are. The Fed also left room for one to two more rate hikes by year end, which is a dramatic departure from what the market was expecting entering the quarter. So where we sit today, the market is expecting one hike in July and possibly another hike afterwards and no cuts in 2023. In fact, they don't expect a cut till mid-24. Entering April, the market expected the Fed to be done raising rates and thought the Fed would actually be cutting two to three times in 2023. What is reconciled over the past three months is that Fed rhetoric about keeping rates where they are, and the market finally believing that to be the case, is now in sync. Another point of note is entering the month, the two-year U.S. Treasury was at 3.9%. After the Fed meeting, it ended at 4.74. So what the market expectations are now, rates are going to be higher for longer. So do I agree with this Fed stance and where the market is? Well, I'd say three months ago, my I thought the market was a little too dovish on rates. And now I would say my concern is more on the market becoming a little too hawkish. I think there will be enough data over the next year to show a reason to cut sooner than a year from now. But I'd also say I've been wrong on this. And a lot of investors have, Again, with the market being up, rates being up, and the Fed staying committed the economy staying resilient that is not what investors expected let's tackle the economy i'll start with corporate earnings according to deutsche bank overall earnings are expected to be down seven percent in the second quarter if you strip out energy earnings are expected to be down only two which is around the same range we've seen over the past two quarters with earnings being down one to two percent from a sector standpoint tech earnings are expected to be higher Energy earnings are expected to be down substantially, close to 20%. Financials down about 6%. Then defensive sectors and cyclicals down around 3% to 4%. Again, this is what the market is expecting. So you could very much have, it, have a situation where earnings are weak, but if earnings come in better than expected, you still have strong asset prices. Looking below corporate earnings and getting to the consumer, and you know, we'll use Bank of America's daily credit card spend, Looking through to 14 subsectors relative to a year ago, 11 of the 14 subsectors were flat to negative. Three sectors that were up are groceries up about 2%, entertainment up 4 and restaurants up about 4%. Conversely, gasoline spend is down quite a bit given gas prices, and also furniture and home improvement is down 7 to 9% on average relative to a year ago. Airline spending has come down quite a bit over the past few months, so. Generally speaking, consumer spending is cooling and indicators are reflecting a slowing economy. Yet we're still seeing rates go up. That tells me there is a bit of a disconnect right now between the economy and markets. So it appears as though the economy is hanging in much better than people thought. What are drivers of that? A few things. One, we have had a ton of money go into the system since the start of the pandemic. And I believe we're still working through that. Another reason is that there is a need for labor, both skilled and unskilled. And I think labor has been able to push back, and you've seen wages increase. And while the pendulum is probably swinging back to more of the corporate side, labor to me has much more leverage today than it did two to three years ago. In addition to those two elements, there's another thing that could be a contributor to a stronger or more resilient consumer, and that revolves around inflation. So the Fed looks at inflation and the headline number comes from the Consumer Price Index or CPI. Now, Shelter makes up about 35% of that number. And Shelter right now is responsible for close to 3% of that number 300 basis points. Outside of Shelter, the rest of the contributors to CPI are coming in around 100 to 150 basis points or 1 to 1.5%. Now, the thing about Shelter is that's largely based on owner's equivalent rent which has been increasing over the past year. However, if you're a homeowner with a fixed-rate mortgage, the cost of your shelter has not gone up as substantially as the cost of rent. So there's certainly an argument that for homeowners with fixed-rate mortgages, your true inflation number is lower than what's being posted. Meanwhile, if you're a renter, you're most likely feeling this level of inflation. So putting all this together, are we still headed into recession? Well, again, going into this year, markets were pretty certain a recession was coming. In fact, I think odds predicted a 100% chance of recession in 2023. Halfway through the year, looking at, for instance, the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta's GDP now, expectations are that second quarter GDP growth will be over 2%. That's a decent number. The second half of this year is expected to be down a little bit. Again, we'll see if that happens. One of my observations over the past three years is that I just think it's taken time for things to play out. You know, we had massive stimulus in 2020, 2021, which led to inflation in 2021. and The Fed began hiking in 2022. The impact from the Fed hikes were expected to take hold, I think, earlier. Thus, people thought a recession was coming in 2023. I think investors are beginning to push that notion out to 2024. We'll see. So what does all this mean for the fixed income markets? Well, last July, the markets had gone through The worst first half of a year in 50 years. The S&P was down substantially. Credit got smoked. General bonds got smoked. It was a year ago that we became very constructive on risk assets, in particular credit. Since that time, the S&P is up 20%. High yield is up nine. Bank loans are up 10. The ag is down 1% because rates have remained high. When I look through to fixed income today, the 10-year treasury is over 4% as we record this, That means investment-grade bonds are yielding over 5%. So on the margin, I'd say that's become a little more attractive. At the same time, though, all this uncertainty around rates and the long end of the curve means to me that the bank loan trade is still sound. Loans have been a standout performer over the past year and a half, probably two years, up 6% this year after a pretty much flat year last year. And because the Fed is getting more hawkish, the yield on that asset class is now over 11%. So, the asset class is trading 94.95, has defended extremely well, yielding over 11%. I still think there's value in that trade. Conversely, as the belly of the curve moves higher, and we're seeing that, duration is becoming a little more attractive. So, that indicates more of a barbell. Floating rate loans on the short end, investment grade on the belly, especially as yields become higher. In both of those circumstances, I believe you're getting compensated for your risk. In fixed income. The caveat to this is until we get a better sense of where rates will settle in, I would be judicious in deploying assets in the middle part of the curve. However, I don't think an entry point with the 10-year at 4% is a bad entry point if you're willing to stomach some volatility and have a longer time horizon. And as always, I will close with a personal reflection. We're halfway through the year and recently had a group of 10 friends over and we went over new year's resolutions that we made six months ago i would tell you that two of them are actually on track to fill theirs eight are not i am part of the eight i'm not close to fulfilling the new year's resolution from six months ago so my suggestion take a look at the promises you made to yourself so many times we are less inclined to fulfill promises we make to ourselves than promises we make to others i'll leave you with that Thank you, and stay tuned. The views in this commentary are as of the date recorded and are presented for informational purposes only. These views should not be construed as investment advice, an endorsement of any security, mutual fund, sector, or index, or to predict performance of any investment. The opinions expressed herein are subject to change without notice, as market and other conditions warranted. Any performance data quoted represents past performance, which does not guarantee future results. Any forward-looking statements are not guaranteed. All material is compiled from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed.